Welcome to another edition of Off the Circle. We are here today with our special guests, Rusty Wheat and Jeff Stone from Terra Environmental. entrepreneurs and business people learn from their experience and expertise and have some laughs along the way off the circle the indianapolis business scene as you've never heard it before well welcome to another edition of off the circle it's a pleasure to have you join us and we've got with us some luminaries from terra environmental and also joining us today is an emerging content marketer, a new talent in Indianapolis, Rachel Brown. It's great to have you with us, Rachel. Thank you, Harry. Well, Rusty and Jeff, uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, Terra Environmental has been a, uh, a mainstay in Brownsburg for how many years now? 21 years. It was founded in 1997. And uh, so lots of things, I'm sure, have changed in the environmental world over those years. One of the things that um, is a fascinating story for me and, and is kind of timely is I know that uh, sometimes there we read in the newspaper about uh, Meth House being busted or something like that. And I know that somehow you guys are involved in the back end maybe uh, share that interesting story with us what what goes on after that uh, well each each one is a little different um, we have to take them on a project basis uh, but essentially uh, the the big deal with the meth bus are that uh, the state will will close that property it's not uh, to be used for for living purposes until deemed clean by a state certified qualified inspector um, which is the first first hurdle for the property owner uh, and that's what would bring us in we would test the uh, the property if it's not clean we will go through a protocol to get it clean retest and once it's certified clean then it can be inhabited again is that is that like a is it breathing issues or is it physical touch what what kind of I, it's, damage it's, does that do it's physical touch is one of the biggest threats because the the residues from the meth uh, and other drugs um, being in a lab environment where they're created um, will saturate carpets get on the walls so uh, infants crawling on that carpet will not only be affected by the drug but meth is highly addictive um, which causes large, large problems. That's why the state has, has set the stringent rules that they have, and that's why if there is one that is busted, uh, there can be no occupancy until proven clean. Wow. What kind of effort is, is involved? Is it tearing everything down to the rafters? Or? E each project is different. Yeah. It really depends on money, uh, how big the problem is, and... Uh, the remedy if it's a trailer in a trailer park um, sometimes the best remedy is destruction 
Wow. Because you you know by the time you tear walls out to to meet the cleanup standard, it, it's the cost not isn't economically viable. Yeah. In homes, a little different, but I said each case is different, and, and you have to look at uh, the parameters, uh, you know, how, how much residue is in the building. That's uh, crazy. Lower levels are a little easier to clean than higher levels. And Is that like a daily occurrence for you guys? <laughs> how how uh, often is... No, we, we get, we get uh, calls on it. It's a very competitive field. Um, so it, it's, it doesn't happen every day, but we're, we're here for you when it does happen. Wow. Well, and, and I think, uh, Jeff, you had related, uh, you know, somebody's got a, uh, uh, a nephew or something like that who says, uh, you know, can I uh, live with you, uh, Auntie, for a week or two? And then he's cooking up some meth, and, and now the whole house is in in trouble yes yes so uh, there's there's a moral there <laughs> don't let people come live with you <laughs> so then um what is the the bulk of your the types of jobs that you go out on then uh, are you talking company-wide or for the for clandestine drug labs um the company-wide Company-wide, I will throw a few and then let Rusty uh, jump in. Me, myself, uh, I'm usually out on most of the drilling projects that we do, environmental drilling. We do that for outside consultants and then for, for Terra proper. Uh, we'll do well abandonments, groundwater sampling. Um, we'll do soil vapor sampling and then Rusty. A lot of what we do on a daily basis is uh, called a phase one, which is an environmental assessment of a potential property for a, a buyer in order to evaluate the environmental history and to uh, do the ASTM standard that requires a certain investigation in order to provide innocent landowner defense. And that's uh, pennies on the dollar. It's a great uh, a great report to have in order to go forward with a transaction and it assures that you're not you have not impacted that site with uh, any industrial or history environmental history so talking about spills or storage uh, especially in older ind industrial areas where you're so, making property. so it's basically if i'm going to buy a commercial property or a commercial piece of land i would want you guys to come get a baseline test so that there's evidence that you know, I, that anything was either inherited that needs cleaned up or I'm not going to get in trouble for... for exactly. Uh, That's what you want. It's called a phase one. Okay. And you would, you would want to purchase that because it's pennies on, not even, it's fractions of pennies on your, your purchase. And it's yeah. going to give you that commercial, it's going to give you that assurance that this property's value is what it is. It hasn't been impacted adversely. Huh. And, so it's uh, a peace of mind. Yeah, peace of mind, and, and it's also a piece of paper that says the federal government will not sue you. Mm. Uh, and you can go on beyond that with a, a comfort letter from the state of Indiana that would provide more assurance to go forward with that purchase if there was maybe some minor impacts or, or something like that. And, and so um, if I'm correct, uh, following that scenario Doug just described, if you didn't 
do this. And later it was found out that there was um, contamination, asbestos in the walls or something like that. Then what? Then you are liable. So mm. you, you've bought a property. Now you have a responsibility uh, to make sure that your employees are healthy and protected. Um, and you didn't order a phase one. Therefore, you weren't aware of it. Um, you may still have a defense, but you wouldn't have that phase one due diligence uh, proper, and you, you would be in a more precarious position than you would be had you done that. Yeah. And so if in the phase one it's discovered that there is some cleanup to be done, there, you know, there is this asbestos in the walls or whatever, um, th then what? Well, the phase one really identifies what we call a wreck. It's a recognized environmental condition for the property. Uh, a lot of times, well, all the time, the phase one is just a research of available data and a database and surrounding, surrounding property use. Um, you're going to identify that wreck, and then we would evaluate it. That's what Tara would do as well. We would be able to, if it was a potential spill of some sort of chemical, onto the surface that could penetrate into the groundwater. We can go out, evaluate the concentrations of that spill, uh, see if it's impacted the groundwater, and if it's has concentrations above the screening levels that require some sort of remediation. So a lot of times it may not. You just need to evaluate it, see what the concentrations are, and then make a decision based on that. Huh. So you might, uh, as a result of this, decide not to buy the property. Yeah, I, I think you could. I mean, or you would be able to negotiate something in that transaction to say, look, it looks like it may cost X dollars for us to to fix this issue, whether it's asbestos or uh, some other issue. And, and then you've, you've got an area to say, look, I don't want the deal to be completely eliminated from the possibility, but what's the real value here? Yeah. Uh, just almost like an inspection for a property to say, is your electric up to code? Uh, the environmental is providing a subsurface or other evaluation that says, has there been an impact? Is there a possibility that I could have an issue here? Uh, and a lot of those issues uh, right now are vapor issues. You know, can vapor get into my workspace and then impact my employees where I need to mitigate that or fix that so that they're not exposed to anything? You know, it's, it's uh, I, I don't know that my client really wants me to talk about them. <laughs> But Lifeline data centers went through this. I think it was probably five, ten years ago when they opened up the Eastgate Mall. And thank God that they had the environmental tests, you know, because it made the news and everything else. And people were, said that they were getting sick and everything else. But they had done all the prerequisite testing beforehand. And then they even paid for the testing again after the complaints and basically proved that, you know, there was nothing, you know, within the, the confines. And it was it was ultimately deemed safe. But, boy, it was quite a if they hadn't had that testing, the PR nightmare could have been 10 times worse. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what you're looking at yeah. a lot of times. Uh, you know, a, a savvy buyer is going to order a phase one. Yeah. Um, they're just going to do that, irregardless of, uh, you know, the size of the purchase necessarily, or if it's been bare land. Yeah, uh, they, they'll still do that phase one because it provides that protection to them that's necessary. Uh, yeah, and 
And it's just a process of doing the due diligence in order to have that protection. Well, I suppose it's just like when you buy a house, you get a home inspection, right? Exactly. So if you're buying a piece of property and you're buying, you know, a building, it makes perfect sense. Is there a is there a set number of tests and densities and everything else that you guys, like a, a regulated, you know, kind of standard out there that you guys have to work from? There's a there's a standard for phase ones, American. Uh, ASTM standard. There's also a standard for phase twos. So we meet those criteria. And we we use those as a as our focus for the scope of the work. Yeah. So the the scope of the work is laid out by the the standard, and that's what we perform. So a phase two can get. It's based on those recs, the recognized issues. So you're going to evaluate those. So those could be, you know. A, a sampling event or it could be just finding the documents that shows that this underground storage tank that was there since 1950 was removed in 1970 uh, and we had to find the paper trail someone that had the documents that had that and showed that hey it was it's properly closed and there's not a threat that still exists yeah uh, if that documents not there then well the next step would be let's evaluate it let's see that it is uh, safe and has not Im- adversely impacted the soil or the groundwater or the vapor. Mm-hmm. So, um, what would be a, a, a good day? I'm going to ask each of this you this question. So, Rusty, for you, what would be a good day where you come home and feel like you've really uh, helped someone out and uh, feel good about being the owner of a company that has uh, really helped a client a lot of times uh, i think recently it comes to mind we did some work on the south part of indianapolis just a few weeks ago and i was working with jeff and uh, we were able to take a seven or eight acre piece of land and evaluate the current concentrations of things from the industrial work i can't say a whole lot about it because it's still out there but a very questionable piece of property kind of a dark cloud over it you don't know what to think you're going to find Um, we were able to go out there in a few days and uh, grab the samples that we needed the results came back that there's been no impacts to the groundwater the shallow soils are not impacted Uh, so our client is looking at buying this piece of property and it looks like a gem yeah Uh, just really you know, valuable piece of property that can be reused. And that, that makes me very happy. I'm pro-business. I want to see people succeed. I want to see more industry, more manufacturing. I want to see more opportunities for jobs. And when we're able on the ground level to help someone to start with that kind of vision, uh, that's that really makes me feel happy. And I'm thankful that for them that the outcome's good as yeah. well. A lot of times if it had been very contaminated, there could be more money in it for us. Uh, but that's not really how we operate. We want to just evaluate and, and perform from our clients what's necessary and what's what's right and not go beyond that. So well, that, and that and that probably brings my next question. I'm curious, how did you how did you get into this? Were you a you know a raging environmentalist that <laughs> I'm not you know, or, or 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 did you see, you know what, this is a real op- business opportunity, you know, with an industry to do good you know, for the community, you know, but also obviously, you know, um, um, have a great business. Uh, my background, I grew up, my dad was a, in the oil and gas industry. And I grew up 
in that industry. Uh, I studied geology, and my real desire was just to be in the oil industry. Um, and and I, I did a lot of that. Uh, worked in the summers as a roustabout and, uh, you know, pumping oil wells and gauging tanks. And you can see right up front, you know, nobody wants to spill oil. Right. Because it's like spilling money. So yeah. that's not, I wasn't necessarily what you call a, a tree hugger. Uh, I got my background in that and transitioned uh, through some of the boom and bust of the oil field into the environmental work and worked for the state of Indiana where I started to get the background in their technical division as a geologist to what goes on in the environmental field and then really enjoyed the scenario that like I just talked about where we're able to clean up things. Yeah. Uh, one of the more exciting things that we do, uh, we handle product uh, and we take product off of the groundwater table in a few places and we've been very successful at, at doing that and that's probably the hardest thing to do. But it kind of goes back to the, my oil and gas background a little bit and, and how does the fluid move in the subsurface and how do you place that recovery well in the right position to get the product up off the groundwater and then after you remove the product to work with cleaning that that aquifer to a, a level that's acceptable for the state mm. so that's that's exciting it's stuff pretty, pretty technical it's, it sounds like yeah, it, it, it sounds really technical. I'm curious, you know, you've got the phase ones and phase twos. Um, do you have manufacturing clients or, or clients that are running factories that you're just constantly, you know, you, you have ongoing relationships to keep an eye on, you know, whether they've had leaks or spills or anything like that? Like, do comp or do companies only call you if they, if they think there's a problem? Well, it's generated a couple of ways. We do have clients, uh, several clients that are fuel distributors. Uh, they have plants themselves that they they store and transport the fuels, and they've had accidents. And uh, one site that Jeff works a lot on is up north of here. Um, we've been collecting groundwater product off the water tip. They had a catastrophic fire, and uh, during that fire event that was caused, you know, naturally by uh, a storm, um, product was released onto the surface and penetrated down to the aquifer and so we've been collecting that product the last couple of years and uh, when everything's going right uh, there's a few weeks and months where we're making 100 gallons of product a week um, th that's a difficult thing to collect so yeah. um, we're we're glad to do that and slowly we're cleaning up really well the site's getting better and it's still a fuel distribution system so part of what that groundwater remediation does is it also controls any movement of the stuff so we're collecting it and it collapses in on itself and it's not moving uh, beyond the walls of this facility so yeah. so that's a good thing Jeff what's a uh, good day for you what what would uh, make you happy uh, a good day for me I like a challenge uh, I like to work with my hands uh, be outside that's uh, what what put me into drilling in the first place so I'd say overcoming a problem. Uh, I really get satisfaction when I get home of knowing that uh, either I did something that someone else had a difficult time achieving or uh, uh, just putting in a good day's hard work. Uh, so, well, kind well, of sounds goofy in this day and age, but yeah. I do. If my muscles are sore, I, I, I feel good. 
And again, a lot of what we do is, is on the drilling side, is, is very physical. Uh, you're in, in the weather, whether it's cold or hot or raining. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we strive to, to put out a good product and a yeah. good service. So, uh, you know, taking on those elements, taking on the ground, uh, it always wants to fight. You know, rarely is a job easy and rarely does a job go the way you've planned it on paper. Things come up. Um, so just just tackling those and winning, especially when I get difficult jobs and I know I'm going into a difficult job at the end of the day or the end of the project, uh, I really have satisfaction in that. And so people keep coming back to uh, Terra Environmental because of, of what kind of what we've heard. You, you are passionate about what you do. You're conscientious. What what are some of the other reasons why you've got loyal clients and and uh, a following that uh, keep has kept you in business all these years? Well, I think it's the trust that you gain with your with your clientele. They they trust us. Um, not too long ago, we had a had a um, gasoline owner. He owned several uh, gas stations and. He had been with some other consultants and had some difficulties. And we came on board with him in like 2012. And I remember him saying, man, I can sleep at night because I know that Tara is taking care of all my concerns and, and his worries. And uh, that was really uh, satisfying as well as tell, you know, telling that we do care for our clients. and. We have that relationship with them that they know we're trustworthy and, and they can sleep at night. And, and uh, that's really grown the business. It's all been from networking, really. We, we do very little uh, beyond that. And uh, it's word of mouth that's gotten out between people over the years and, and has developed the company, kept the clients coming in. So Rachel, I'm gonna put you on the spot here rachel is a uh, quite a storyteller and and so as you've listened to this um what would you say uh terra environmental is is selling in in terms of kind of this story that yeah it sounds like um like what i said before you're you're selling a peace of mind um and just like your client said they can sleep well at night and um, for, like you said, fractions of a penny on the dollar, um, you can have this sense of peace. Sounds good. Is that what you're telling people? <laughs> well, I think uh, with the phase ones, we definitely are trying to you know, grow the business. That's probably the biggest growth area that we can go out there and, and try to get new clients. And then once they've worked with us, um, they are really appreciative of what we bring to the table. Um, there was a guy in town, you know, I just don't want to drop names, but uh, he is a mover and shaker in buying properties and probably, I don't know if, how long I've known him, but 10, 15 years ago, uh, was introduced to him and he didn't see the real need for an environmental at that juncture. And, now he would be the first guy to tell you, man, get a phase one, which yeah. is just you know, amazing to not only you know, just to educate and, and be able to, to help people to do what they love to do, 
and to ensure that they're not getting into some property that could really cause them a lot of heartache and pain. Jeff, I know uh, I've seen some of your photography work. You are uh, quite a photographer. Um, how does that, and, and I'm sensing that you enjoy being out of doors and, and so on. So tell, uh, tell our audience just a little bit about uh, your photography, where they might find samples of that and how that fits in with your outdoor life. Well, thank you. I'm a little humbled. Uh, my photography is just, it's really a hobby. It's uh, something that I like to do. It helps me unwind after work. Uh, you know, come home satisfied sometimes. Other times uh, there's a lot of frustration or you just need to, to forget about the cares of the day. Um, and I do that through wildlife photography, walking, hiking. Um, started... Uh, Picked up a camera in 2012, I think, Russell, you remember when I did that and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to start taking pictures, and I haven't stopped. I'm uh, a member of several Facebook groups, um, one in particular where we drive people to take a photo every day and post it. Having done that since 2012, uh, I went from somebody who would just take a camera, point it, and shoot to... Uh, I, he's I don't pretty, know. I he's pretty him, good. <laughs> I, I call myself an amateur. I'm, I'm definitely not a professional, but uh, uh, there's been a lot of improvement in my, in my photo taking abilities through the years. Um, so I've started to, you know, not just share that on Facebook, but I have a website that I put my material up for sale. Um, and uh, that's Jeffrey hyphen stone pixels dot com um, I'm also on fine art America and uh, you can see that on my Facebook page as well but uh, like I said it's something that keeps me busy and I'm just happy to share the share the pictures with uh, anyone who's willing to view them. That's awesome. Let's, let me tell a little story about Jeff too uh, in t that 2012 era we went out to Vegas together and we were, it was a drilling convention out there and we spent a few days and we're flying back and there was a guy on the airplane who was he? Was he a flight attendant? I, I think he was. He was a yeah. flight attendant, and he was talking about camera. And Jeff had kind of put his camera in the closet and hadn't been using it for I don't know how long before that. And that was really what. After that, he said, "I'm going to get my camera out and I'm going to start taking pictures." And man, after that, he started to. And he's also he's he's too humble. His pictures are really good. Uh, I enjoy seeing them all the time. I like the wildlife, but they have an Indiana and a Jeff Flair which is, I think, really unique. And Jeff loves the outdoors, and he loves uh, wildlife, and it's particularly loves birds, and he's, he's very knowledgeable of them. So he has pictures of, of some birds that, you know, I'll always, hey, what's this bird? Or I'll shoot, him a, I'll shoot a picture and say, what's this? And he doesn't say how bad my picture was, but, <laughs> but he knows what the bird is, or he'll tell you what that is. I was in Hawaii not too long ago, and I sent him a picture of a bird, and he knew the what kind of bird it was. That's awesome. So, uh, Jeff, Rusty's uh, shared a little uh, secret about you. What, what's something that uh, Rusty hasn't told us about himself that uh, you think we ought to know about? Uh, all right, I'll, I'll tell you. He's, he's not from Indiana. Uh, he is, uh, he's a Rocky Mountains guy, Colorado guy. Uh, 
Rusty likes the mountains. He likes hiking. I think that's really where, uh, well, a lot of times I think he'd rather rather be. I'm able to go out and, and walk around some lakes and parks, and I think if Rusty really wanted to uh, get away like I do, that uh, I think only the mountains and some hiking, the Rocky Mountains, can offer that for him. Cool. Skiing as well. <laughs> Well, if somebody wanted to um, check out and you've got them interested in a phase one, where would they find out about Terra Environmental? Well, we have a website with Terra that's, uh, uh, it's terra-env, like environmental-corp, like corporation, dot com. Uh, That shows some of our uh, things we've worked on and some of the people there um, now that's one way to reach us and uh, we're located in Brownsburg Indiana right to downtown Brownsburg <laughs> uh, and uh, that would be a way or you know uh, contact our office um, at in Brownsburg and, and when is uh, so if somebody is just hearing about this for the first time they're considering buying some property they now realize this makes a lot of sense at what point should they engage with you well once they have their due diligence process began so if that's uh, you know they've got an an engagement uh, working and moving forward they want to engage us right away we would love to have three weeks to perform the phase one uh, just in timing to get all the data and research we have to contact certain people and uh and in order for them to reply so we have that three weeks is ideal we can meet shorter due diligence processes and a lot of times harry that's what people are doing they're waiting too long to order the phase one Uh, they've only got 10 days left in their due diligence before their offer could expire and they're saying look i need a phase one right now because i want to i want to proceed forward the earlier, the better. Uh, I know there's a. If time you're to an Indianapolis-based professional and would like your story to be heard on Off the Circle, contact us at offthecircle.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a glowing review. Well, thanks so much. Off the Circle is recorded at DK New Media's podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis.